0: Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe, like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Hi, friend. We've been talking about living with peace this month on the Finding Something Real podcast And it's a part of the Clarity 2020 series we've been doing. You can find out more about that series along with the reflective question sheets that go with each month's topic by visiting my website, janellewood.com. But before I share today's episode, which I pray will encourage you to live with peace, I wanted to jump on here and ask you something. Today's sweet conversation that I'm about to share was admittedly pretty hard. I don't think I've ever teared up quite like I did during this recording with my former pastor. This is a very honest conversation with a man who has been a pillar of strength and faith to many people. In fact, you may be listening today simply because you love him already, and I'm happy you're here. But if you're listening to this episode and you've never met Pastor Bob Loon, well, I believe you're in for a raw, honest conversation about how to find peace when some of life's biggest storms rage. At the end of our conversation, I asked Pastor Bob to do something I don't think I've ever asked another guest to do, which was to pray. It's always a gift to hear our loved ones pray. And I wanted him to be able to share that gift with the listener of this podcast. But I just want to ask you, if you are a Christ follower, and if Pastor Bob's story impacts you. Would you please join me in praying in the coming days and weeks and months for this man? In the Bible, it talks a lot about the power of prayer. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there's this beautiful story in the Bible of these friends who take their friend to Jesus. They are desperate to get their friend to Jesus. And Jesus is in a house. He's surrounded by a bunch of people. They can't get their friend who is on a mat to the Lord. Their friend, I believe, was paralyzed. And so these friends, they... They go up to the top of the roof of this house and they cut a hole in the rooftop to bring their friend to Jesus. And sometimes through life, we go through struggles where we are on a proverbial mat. We need other people to lift us up. We need people to bring us to Jesus, to talk to Jesus about that person to lift them up in prayer, um, to encourage. So I just want to ask you, whether you know him personally or not, would you join me in just lifting our friend to the Lord? Thank you. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. I am your host, Janelle Wood, and I am excited to be talking today with a friend of mine, We've been talking about having peace on the podcast, and today's guest is very special to me. When I introduced Pastor Bob uh, to this podcast last fall, I shared that he was warm, kind, and honestly such a gift to everyone who knows him. He has dedicated his life to loving God and loving others, and he has that rare skill, generosity, and gentle focus to make you feel like you're the only one that he's been waiting to talk to. And everyone I've ever met who's talked about this man speaks with respect and awe at his dedication to his family and his calling. So welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, Pastor Bob.
1: Well, Janelle, it's just an incredible privilege to, to be with you. I always enjoy our conversations, whether <laughs> on podcasts or <laughs> just sitting in a living room somewhere. So this is a joy. Thank oh, you for I'm- having me.
0: I'm really thankful that you're here and totally humbled. Um, A few weeks back when I first started mapping out the guest list for this month's topic on peace, you immediately came to mind. Um, We discussed in that earlier episode that aired back in fall, that was season one, episode 13, about your story and your ministry. And I encourage people to go back and listen to that because you've had quite the story and quite the ministry. Um, you shared about your wife Kathy and um, her deteriorating physical and mental health, um, about her being in an assisted living facility, and how hard that was as a season in your life. And sometimes you were feeling lonely. That was back in November, if I if I'm right. Um, But that was all before COVID-19.
1: Right, (laughs) Everything (laughs) became worse. Yep.
0: (laughs) And in March, when this pandemic really blew up in the United States, I noticed something about you. You didn't stop. You know, Mr. Rogers, whom we talked about in the last episode, he has this famous quote that's gone around a lot. um, And it says, in scary situations to look for the helpers, because you will always find the helpers. And during these past few months, I looked for the helpers. And among them, I saw you. You were still there in your quiet, reassuring strength, posting encouragement and reminders of hope, whether it be through your Facebook sermonettes, or your sermons, or your videos or posts, and it reminded me of peace. So When you were on my list of people I wanted to talk with this month, it was because of all of that. I just thought, how are you handling all of this and still sharing joy and peace and hope to people? I wanted to hear how you're sharing peace through all of that when I can only imagine what you're going through uh, with the separation from your beloved wife and family and friends. And you agreed to come on, which was such a delight for me. But, um, something's different this time.
1: Yes, it, it is different.
0: And I know it's pretty fresh. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit more about what's currently going on in your life?
1: Yeah. In the last uh, six weeks, I um, have been diagnosed as having prostate cancer. And according to the latest findings, uh, it is apparently metastasized and is finding other places in my body to also uh, take root. I will be having... A PET scan here in a couple of days to determine where it may have metastasized, where it may be located. There's a suspicious spot on one of my ribs that they want to take a biopsy from to see if that's one of the places it spread to. Um, if it was still contained fully within the prostate, there would be many, many options for treatment. Uh, this is uh, narrowed down my options apparently to only chemotherapy. Um, meaning that quite likely in the next six weeks or six months, I, who today feel great, strong, healthy, played basketball with my grandsons last night, I will get really sick, probably nauseated, weak, and all that kind of stuff as they work aggressively, aggressively to, uh, kill the cancer cells. So that has, that has just changed everything about my life. I mean, I'm the type of guy who never goes to doctors. And now I have a weekly doctor's appointment. And I have many more appointments ahead of me. So it is a very, very different time in my life.
0: How were you doing before all of that? Because I know, like what I just shared, you already had a lot going on.
1: Yeah, you know, I was interim pastor of a church, and suddenly we couldn't meet. So I had to find ways to stay in contact with all the people and try to be um, a person of calm and peace and reassurance in the midst of the concern about the virus. Um, It has now been exactly today, 12 weeks, Mm -hmm. since Kathy and I have been able to see each other, I appreciate the fact that they are doing all kinds of things to keep the residents of Coventry house safe. I'm completely supportive of it. Um, but I do worry about her because of her uh, dementia that she could even forget, you know, who I am in that length of time. Um, but I did have a chance to take my oldest daughter and uh, grandkids to see her yesterday. And uh, she was fairly alert and clear. And not everything she said was rational, but it was good to see her. And we got to talk through a, an opened screened window. And uh, so that's as close as we've been.
0: Wow. So when you say it's been 12 weeks, have you been able to go through um, with the screen window before yesterday, or you just haven't been able to touch each yeah. other? yeah they're
1: they're just really opening that up and making that available. They really closed it down severely. Um, but a week ago, today, I was able to again take my daughter to go visit her. It was warm enough. They brought her outside. We had to sit we had to sit fourteen feet apart and carry on a conversation. And uh, so slowly but surely, communication is increasing. and I'm grateful for that. You know Mm -hmm. because i don't want her to you know live in isolation and loneliness and because i you know i have friends and i can text or call or even run into people at walmart occasionally um so i know that the loneliness factor is not nearly what it is for her Mm -hmm. uh, i do worry about her well-being
0: how long have you been married
1: Fifty one years this coming August. Wow. As my wife would say, it's been 46 of the best years of her life. (laughs) The other five were a little shaky. The first five?
0: (laughs) That was for Brian and I, too. I don't know. (laughs) It's like you're trying to figure it out. (laughs) You both realize how selfish you are.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy, that's the truth. I was the most selfish man in the world, I think. It was terrible.
0: Um, What was it about her that made you fall in love with her?
1: Uh, You'll think this is really funny, but, you know, I was playing college basketball and there's a certain amount of pressure that goes with being, you know, in the public arena and, you know, everybody wants you to do good and things like that. She could care less about sports. And so it was kind of refreshing to be with someone who didn't care if I had a good game or, or not. And that was intriguing to me. The only trouble was the first five years of marriage, I wanted to go to every basketball game and football game we could go to. And she still didn't like sports. I couldn't figure it out. So, <laughs>
0: Isn't that funny? The very thing that attracts us to our spouse is the very thing that kind of repels us sometimes. Yes, that's exactly what, <laughs> what happened. <laughs> oh. Well, I know even though you have a good attitude about it, that has got to be really hard and now with this diagnosis, um, how, how are your girls taking it?
1: It was, uh, it was hard for them. We, um, did a zoom meeting after I met with the doctors initially and they were stunned. They were tearful. Um, and they, um, They've been talking among themselves about how they're going to take care of dear old dad. So and that's why my oldest daughter's here right now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. That's what kids so. are for, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I'm eating better with her here because she cooks really nutritious foods and and I'm supposed to be on a low carb diet, which is terrible because I love bread and pasta and rice and anything that has carbs in it. That's my favorite food. So,
0: Yeah. If your other daughter, I know you have three, right? Yes. Yeah. One of them lives in New New Zealand. Is that right? Correct. Is she still there right now during all of this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, their country really has opened up and gone back to normal. So she's teaching school full time and, and uh, very busy, but
0: Mm.
1: then my youngest daughter lives in the Dalles, Oregon. And, and, uh, she'll be arranging her schedule so that when i do have some treatments then she'll drive up and kind of drive me back and forth to some of the treatments and you
0: know yeah
1: they're just going to do what they can to to help me i appreciate them they're wonderful wonderful girls
0: yeah Well, that's a huge adjustment for you because as you shared, you're used to being pretty healthy. I know you exercise every morning and even though you eat carbs, I know you're pretty healthy that way too. So (laughs) (laughs) um, how are you staying peace filled during this time?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest, Janelle, there are some days that are hard. There are some days that are sad. My prayer is, Lord, I wanna live. I wanna live 25 more years. I wanna live for you. I wanna live with you. I wanna work for you. And um, so I pray that you will kill every cancer cell in my body and let me live. That's my prayer. But there are some days, you know, where I feel like, what if he doesn't answer that prayer in a positive way? You know, what if I don't get my, my 25 years? um lots of people have died of cancer nobody is indispensable in this world least of all me so god doesn't owe me a healing he he doesn't owe me anything i mean jesus jesus died (laughs) to give me life Does God owe me anything? No, he's already given me the ultimate gift. And I have life now and I have eternal life and I have his love. And so anything beyond that is simply icing on the cake because I got the cake. Mm -hmm. I already do. I've had a wonderful life. Um, I've told people for years, I think I'm the luckiest guy alive because he called me to be a pastor and then he called me to Othello and, you know, I I got to not only invest my life in some of the most amazing people in the world, but they invested in me too. It's in it's a mutual thing. We've grown together. And so I cannot say at any point that I would ever feel cheated. And if God doesn't answer my prayer for 25 more years, I can't say I'm cheated because he's given me so crazy much. Mm -hmm. And that helps. That helps
0: some days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess the next question I wanted to ask is, do you feel angry with God some days?
1: I have had anger with God in the early years of my ministry. And it took me a while to admit that. And when I finally admitted that, It moved my relationship with God to a whole new level. I have not felt anger at this time at all. Um, But I have been thinking about this week, about the time when uh, Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat, and row across the Sea of Galilee. He goes in the back, falls fast asleep. Meanwhile, this incredible storm rages up. They think they're going to drown. And finally, they wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we're about to drown? Well, first of all, don't you care? I think all of us are tempted in the midst of a crisis in our life to feel like, well, don't you care, God? You know, if, if one of our children got sick, don't you care, God? If we battle cancer, don't you care, God? If the economy goes south, don't you care, God? Um, I'm I'm sure that that goes through our minds so often. I think about the people who may be listening to our conversation. You know, is there someone who would say even today, don't you care, God? I'm drowning here. I'm going down for the third time. I, don't you care? And the reality is Jesus is in the boat with us. He's not somewhere off in the other part of the universe paying attention to other people. He's in the boat with us. He's in the boat with me right now. He's in the boat with that person who's listening right now. God is in the boat with us. And that's enough. That's enough. Whether he says to the storm, be still, knock it off, settle down or not. He's in the boat. He's in the boat with us. I'm not alone. And I know that I had a very, very special thing happen yesterday. I'd been playing basketball with my grandsons and they all came in the house and I just sat outside on the front porch and it was peaceful and it was calm. And I was kind of cooling down and, uh, you know how God just shows up Yeah. and he was just there and I just spent some time thanking him for this and that big things and little things. And I just know he's in the boat with me. So I, I can honestly say to you today, Janelle, I'm not afraid. I feel today like I'm really at peace. I know who holds my hand. I know who's in the boat with me. um, And that he's gonna go with me through these treatments. I still ask him to give me the 25 years. I still ask him to let me live. I'm asking him every single day to kill every cancer cell in my body. But I know he's in the boat with me. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna be okay.
0: Yeah. As you're talking, it reminds me of a story in the Gospels of um, John the Baptist and how while Jesus was still on earth, he ends up thrown into prison, you know, and he sends his followers to Jesus and says, "Uh, are you the one that was to come or should we expect somebody else? Mm -hmm. Which is remarkable because John the Baptist spent his entire life dedicated to uh, talking about the Messiah that was to come, talking about Jesus, baptized him in the Jordan River, was (laughs) proclaiming the good news, and then uh, life doesn't turn out the way he (laughs) expects it to, ends up in prison. And the way that Jesus responds in the Gospels, um, you know, it doesn't, he doesn't chastise uh, John, or he doesn't put him down for his doubt or his uh, hard days, you know. or the fact that he had questions on the hard days. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, he reassures him through his followers, and then he goes on to talk about what an amazing person John is. And then you and I know the end of the story, right? John ends up getting beheaded while Jesus is still on the earth. And I guess as I've gotten older, that story has just been so profound to me in terms of um, doubt and questions regarding faith because... Um, I, I think, especially for the person listening, who is not a, not a Christ follower at this point in their lives, you know, there are questions that they have and we can take those to Jesus. You know, he is with us in our storm. He is there with us with our questions. He knows what they are before we even ask. But I do want to ask you a question that might, um, come from a skeptic because I think it's important because you touched on it, and in the story of John the Baptist, it's kind of there, which is John spent his entire life dedicated to talking about the kingdom of heaven. You've spent your entire life talking about what Jesus Christ offers, which is freedom and eternity. So to the person who's sitting there on the other side going, well, if that Christianity is true, then why does he want another 25 years? <laughs> what What is that? What? can you speak to that because i'm sure that question has come up in your ministry um, in Mm -hmm. your 40 some years of pastoring
1: yeah i think that obviously eternity with christ is going to be awesome and when revelation talks about a new heaven and a new earth i'm actually going to volunteer to be on the new earth because i love earth i love the beauty i love the sunsets i love the sunrise. We um, spent a couple of days last week on Whidbey Island out in the middle of Puget Sound. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. And so I've only seen a tiny fraction of, of planet earth. If I could spend, you know, a hundred thousand years here on earth, I would, I would love it. So in a sense, I'm in no rush to leave. I also like my life. Um, I don't have regrets. I love my life. I love the people in my life. I'm not anxious to leave them behind. Uh, So to the person who says, well, if you are all that excited about heaven, why don't you hurry up and go? (laughs) I, I just say, because I like, I like life. I think that God has given me some reasons to be here.
0: Yeah.
1: I had a, um, A pastor tell me yesterday, um, she'd already asked me to speak to some people who were studying to become pastors. She'd asked me to speak to them in November. And I said, well, I may be having some treatments. I may be a little puny, but, uh, you know, I'll try my best to be there. And she says, well, I absolutely want you to be there because you are the kind of veteran person that these younger people need to be around And I read something this morning from a pastor in Hawaii named Ralph Moore, who said, we teach what we believe, but we reproduce who we are. Hmm. And I would like to reproduce Christ-like people. That's what I'd like to reproduce. So if I have any opportunity to do that for the next 25 years, I'd like to do that. Yeah
0: it's, there's a burden, right? As a Christ yeah. follower, you feel yeah. like you, one of the things you talked about in our previous episode together was that partnership with Jesus in what he's doing. And when he called us to make disciples and to go into all the world, um, there's a real sense of mission for you in your life.
1: There is. And I don't, I don't feel it's over yet. Yeah. I just don't, I feel like I have lots to do and I, want to hurry up and get the chemo out of the way so I can get back at it. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, oh, yeah. So I wanted to share this and, um, I, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years, I'm, I'm thinking you probably do a couple of years ago, my aunt, and my uncle died within two weeks of each other. And, mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, that was so tragic.
0: Yeah. And my, my uncle had cancer and it had been a long time, like two years where he had been kind of going downhill. But, um, my aunt, you know, died of a broken heart as far as I'm concerned, you know? Um, and I remember, uh, being in the room after she had passed and just feeling like it was so over, you know, so over. And, and that really jolted me a little bit. Um, because when my grandfather died, I, I felt the same thing. Like, he was gone. You just knew that he wasn't there anymore. Right. Um, and you don't really forget when you've seen death like that. You know, you've seen it. And um, anyway, I was processing some of that and hurting. And a couple of days or a few days after that had happened, I ended up being in Othello. And lo and behold, here's Pastor Bob in the sanctuary for me to ask uh, some theological questions, right? Right. and uh, I remember you just seeing me and um, letting me grieve and share my doubts with you, uh, being in the boat with me, Um, but I just wanted you to share uh, what do you think happens when we die?
1: Well, I honestly believe what the Apostle Paul said, which is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, in the moment of leave-taking, I believe that we do behold Jesus. I, there was a lady who who just lived down the street from me here on Oak Street, and she was dying of cancer, and uh, <clears throat> she had. had uh, so, I was visiting her quite regularly. Rosie was her name, and uh, she had lapsed into a coma, and then she woke up and she looked up in the corner of her room and she said, oh, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. And she was just talking to him and she, she slipped away right after that. And so I believe that she was a living demonstration of what I've always understood from scripture, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in whatever form that is, You know, that remains to be seen, I guess. Um, But, you know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said to that thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Again, I don't care where it's at. It's the with me that counts. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe that in the moment of death, and I've been with so many people as they've taken their last breath. And the peace, the calm, the love, the relaxation. It's a beautiful thing. It's a privilege to be with someone when they take their last breath because you just, you feel them slip away. They're just gone. And one moment this body is alive with a person in it. And the next moment the person's gone because they've gone someplace else. And I think they've gone with somebody who really, really loves them. Yeah. Who's been waiting for them. Yeah.
0: I don't, you might remember this quote, but there's a quote by Corey Ten Boom in her book, The Hiding Place, where she talks about death with her dad when she's a little girl. Do you remember this? And they're talking about the train station. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That you don't, uh, you don't have your, all your luggage and you don't have to have all your luggage until you get there and then it's put on the train and yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. That's such a good quote too.
0: I know. I'll I'll put it in the show <laughs> notes because as you're talking, I'm thinking of that imagery of I think yes. her dad reassures her by saying just at the right time that the conductor will give you the ticket.
1: Yeah, God'll give you what you need. So Yeah. You don't have to know everything ahead of time.
0: Yeah. So um I know you're praying for 25 more years and I'm praying for that too. I, I believe that God has so many things still in store for you, including that thing in November and just even here on this podcast, you're sharing with people and encouraging them with your, your story. But um, I know we all have a set number of days and none of us know, you know, none of us know whether we're going to end up getting COVID, you know, tomorrow or um, I was just talking to a friend the other day who lost her dad within, you know, hours after he was diagnosed with that disease and or that um, sickness. So um, if you, looking ahead at your own mortality, yeah. um, if you could leave some words behind for the world and perhaps for the global church or things that you would want the church to remember, um, have you thought about what those would be or the things that you want um, to impress upon uh, the Christ followers as you? consider that.
1: Yeah. I think I could put it in one sentence. Love is always the right choice. You know, I think about, you know, the the protests that are happening in our cities and the centuries of hurt and rage that have come to the forefront again, unfortunately, just happens ever so often when some unfortunate um, thing happens. Um, Love is always the right choice. If somehow, in our dealings with one another, we could listen to one another, give people the gift of listening, and of really believing what they said. Dr. John Gottman over at the University of Washington, in talking about marriage, says that the, the the number one predictor of success in marriage is when the husband listens to his wife and believes what she says. I think that's true in all human relationships. So I, as a privileged white man, need to listen to my black brothers and sisters and to my Latino brothers and sisters. I need to listen to them and believe what they say. And when they talk to me about how they have been mistreated or overlooked or underappreciated or doors have been slammed in their face, um, I can't say, well, I didn't do that to you. I need to listen and believe what they say and do everything in my power to number one, love them by listening. Number two, to stand with them. And number three, to do whatever I can to open my, my arms as wide as I possibly can to all people. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe love is always the right choice. Yeah.
0: It's hard during this season because it feels like the world is full of so much um, anger and hatred and love. There's this great quote by Philip Yancey um, and he says, power, no matter how well intentioned, tends to cause suffering, and love, being vulnerable, absorbs it. And on a on a place of convergence on a hill called Calvary, God chose the one for the sake of the other. And um, it's easy to get offended when you feel attacked, right? Yes, yes. And Absolutely. during this time of you know whatever opinion is going on about whatever's happening in the world right now, which there's a lot of crazy. Um, it's easy to just close down or to get angry and to, you know, think, well, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. And instead, um, love is vulnerable. So are there any practical resources you could suggest to somebody who might be struggling, um, to find peace during this time?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I've just, um, found that scripture has been the key for me. You know, I read the Psalms over and over again, every single day. And some Psalms, you know, they are, I mean, they literally rage against God, you know, how long, oh Lord, is this going to go on? How are you going to let this keep going? And others, they have their doubts and others, there's there's great sorrow and frustration and others praise and, and adoration. It's like, No matter where you are, there is scripture that speaks to that need. And for me, just reading it day after day after day um, gives me a sense of grounding, of being rooted in something that's much bigger than me. It's been going on for a long time. People have been walking with God and struggling, you know, for a long, long time, so I just basically come back every single day to God's word. And I love the devotional Jesus calling.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So myself and my three daughters, we're we're going through that together this year. Uh, I bought them a copy so that we could all go through it together. And I can't, I just can't tell you how many times I've read that devotional paragraph for the day and think, that was written just for me, you know? And so yeah. that, that's been a great, great benefit.
0: Yeah. Do you have a life verse, a scripture verse that's been a favorite for you?
1: It used to be Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But over the years, it shifted to Second Corinthians 5.21. Where it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And I just think, wow, Jesus had no sin, but he became my sin. He became my lies. He became my pride. He became my lust. He became my um, dishonesty, whatever. He became all of that hmm. so that I might become what he is.
0: Yeah. That's
1: powerful to me.
0: Have you ever listened to the sermon called The Cup? Um, I can't remember the name of the preacher that that preached it. But Brandon Cleaver from uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries, he was on my podcast a few weeks ago back in April, and he was talking about this sermon called The Cup. And I'll put it in the, the show notes, but it was about that, about... Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, and why was he sweating drops of blood? Why was he so upset about the fact that he was about to die? He knew yeah. where he was going, he, you right. know, of anyone he knew where he was going. He was going to yeah. suffer, but a lot of people have shown strength in, in this, um, the place of suffering like that. So what was so heavy upon him? And then in this sermon, I've listened to it a couple of times, the pastor, um, he, he says, you know what was in the cup? the cup was your sin and mine. It was the cup of the it was the sin of the world. It was Hitler. It was genocide. It was racism. It was all these things that he was going to drink to become that for us so that we could live. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and then there is that horrifying moment when he's hanging on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Because that's the moment I believe that he who had no sin became sin. So then he had to experience separation from the Father. And there's nothing worse than that. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. We're all right, Pastor Bob. One final question, and then I might ask you to close us in prayer today, uh, if you would. Um, The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four things, five really, five Mm -hmm. things that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, Which of those stands out to you the most right now in your life and why?
1: Again, I think it goes back to love. Um, The fact that he loves me, not because I'm worthy of being loved, but he loves me because he is love. And he creates worthiness and he creates my identity. And um, I am so incredibly grateful for his love for me. And it inspires then not only love for him, but it inspires love for everybody else. Um, You know, Jesus said in one uh, episode, the woman caught in adultery said, well, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. I am so aware I can't throw a stone at anybody. I can't judge anybody because I know me. And I know that Jesus loves me in spite of all the garbage in my life. So why would I refuse to love others just because they have garbage in their life? We're all alike. We all need Jesus. And so I want to love like he loves.
0: Mm. Well, you're doing a pretty good job of it. (laughs) I'm really thankful for you. Would you mind praying and just maybe praying for the person on the other side who is hearing all of this and um, having a hard time believing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that in countless ways you have sought to reveal yourself to us through creation, through the Bible, but ultimately you revealed yourself to us in a person who knew what it was to be hot and tired and lonely and misunderstood and rejected. Thank you for becoming one of us. And I pray for that person who's listening right now. I pray that they will know that you are for them, that you're not against them. I think of John 3.17 where it says, that you didn't send your son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You're not condemning that person who's listening to me. I don't care what they've done. It doesn't matter to you. You're not condemning them. You're not counting their sins against them. You're not mad at them. You love them and you offer yourself for them. So I pray Lord for every person who's listening that you would wrap your arms of love about them. And it would be as though they were enclosed in a cocoon of your love. And inside of that cocoon, there is healing and comfort and transformation and broken hearts being put back together. We love you, Jesus, but our love for you is only a fraction of your love for us. Thank you for listening to this prayer. Bless my dear friend Janelle. Watch over her. May her ministry continue to expand as you open one door after another for her to share her heart of love for other people. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. You're making me cry, Pastor Bob. I told you already (laughs) I'm wearing fake eyelashes today. They're going to be all over the place. I love you. Thank you.
1: I love you too, Chanel. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram live podcast recaps at 1145 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast, and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love, He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.